Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. And if you are new to Central Church, thank you for finding us this day. My name is Rick Gehring. I'm lead pastor here at Central Church. I want to thank you for coming. If you're watching by way of our online community, thank you for tuning in. No matter where you might be, we appreciate having you as well. Well, you know, next week, uh, or actually next month, I... Well, first of all, next month is March, so just want to let you know my wife's birthday is next month, and um, she's not going to like that at all, but that's why I have the microphone and she doesn't, okay? And by the way, it's March 1st, just so you, you know you have that. Next month also is our anniversary, our 31-year anniversary, yes, very thankful for that. Also next month is my 23rd year in full-time pastoral ministry, for which I am very thankful for. It's been an incredible 23 years, and one that's been made up of mountaintops, lots of them, and also lots of valleys, as I know that you, as you look over your life, you see the same thing. It's always like this, you know, mountaintops and valleys. And as I look back over those 23 years, I see one common denominator. In fact, it's a common denominator that I'm sure that you, as a Christ follower, as you look back over your last 23 years, maybe for some not quite as long or others longer, 23 years, hey, you know, um, you see the same common denominator. You say, well, what is it? Well, it's God's grace. God's grace. And I, I see God's grace as I look back over these 23 years in pastoral ministry. I see God's grace through the immoral and unethical uh, behaviors and failures of pastor friends of mine. I see God's grace through it. I see God's grace through the mean-spirited parishioners who, who removed a pastor based on preference. And through that season of ministry, I still see God's grace through it all. I see God's grace through the time that I had the tumor, uh, a tumor removed from the roof of my mouth. In fact, every time I look in my mouth and I brush my teeth, three times a day, by the way, I see and am reminded of God's grace in my mouth. I see God's grace through my daughter's battle with bulimia that took place years ago, and through that experience, I see God's grace. I I see God's grace through a difficult time of back surgery and issues that I had several years ago, and God's grace. You know, I see God's grace over these past 23 years, and, and it's His grace that has held me together. And I'm sure that you as a Christ follower can look back and you can say the same thing applies to you. Amen? God's grace. My life verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 that says, But he said to me, Jesus that is, Paul is writing here and But he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I am content with hardships. I I am content with persecutions. I am content with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace. And over the past 23 years of pastoral ministry, not only has God's grace held me together I, I have learned some things from God's grace. His grace has taught me some things, and I want to share three of them with you. And the first thing is this, that God's grace has taught me to be faithful. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, he says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. See, in that day... Servants were, they were put in charge of their owner's household affairs, including their financial ones. And so it was critical that the owner knew that his servant was trustworthy, honest, dependable, full of integrity, and faithful, as you can imagine. You would want the same of someone that was going to manage your affairs, right? (laughs) Of course. You know what? As servants of Christ, as managers of His affairs, all is His. As managers of His affairs, God wants to know that He can count on us to do the same. Can He count on us to be trustworthy, dependable, faithful? As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So He's also entrusted with us the message of salvation, the message of His amazing grace, the mysteries of God. He's entrusted us with those things as well. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That they be found faithful. Bottom line is this, church. We are expected to be faithful managers of God's affairs. That goes for our income. That goes for our investments. That goes for the way we raise our children. That goes for the vows that we make to our spouse. That goes for the church that we attend, the church that we serve in, the church that we lead. He expects us to be faithful stewards of what He has given to us. I'm not required to be brilliant, praise God, just faithful. I'm not required to be handsome, praise God, just faithful. I'm not required to be eloquent, just ask Moses on that one, right? Just faithful. I'm not required to to be popular. I mean, you can ask the Apostle Paul about that one just faithful. You may know the name Norman Geisler. He's a Christian theologian, philosopher, and Christian apologist. And he went to Sunday school at the same church for 400 Sundays. Tells of the story that each week he was faithfully picked up by a bus driver. Every single week. And every week would go by and Norman would not make a commitment to Christ. And then in his senior year, 
he finally, because of that, the faithfulness of that bus driver, he finally gave his heart and life to Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. What if that bus driver had given up on week 395? What if he gave up just a little bit too soon? What if he would have said, hey, Norman, this kid, he is a problem kid. I'm not going to spend any more time on him. He's disobedient. He's disrespectful. He's a waste of my time. What if he had said that? Thank God for the faithfulness of a bus driver in Norman's life. I look back as a student pastor for 15 years I was, and, and don't think for a moment that I didn't see problem kids. None of you over here are problem kids. Amen? Amen. Yes. Parents, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Don't think for a moment that I didn't see kids that were disrespectful, disobedient, kids behind our youth facility smoking, doing other things. But kids that are today now full-time pastors. <laughs> I love it. Full-time missionaries, full-time ministry, full-time in the marketplace living for Jesus. Those very same kids that I wanted to give up on but my motto is to never give up on a teenager, ever. <laughs> to see that truly is God's grace. There's no greater privilege for the Christian, for the Christ follower, than to be known and to be remembered as a faithful servant of Christ. Listen, let that be your goal. Let that be your desire, that at the end of my life, that I will be remembered as a faithful servant of Christ. And by God's grace, I have done my best and have not been perfect in it, trust me. But I have, been, I have done my best to be just that, a faithful servant of Christ for the last 1,200 weeks of my ministry. And I plan to strive to remain faithful in however many weeks, months, and years that God blesses me with, God's grace has taught me to be faithful. Second thing God's grace has taught me to be is available. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah said, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. When Isaiah heard God say, whom shall we send? Isaiah was in a season of disappointment. His king had died. He was down and out. He was depressed. And even in his, his, his great distress, Isaiah still made himself available to God. Here I am. Send me. I will go. In spite of his circumstances, he said yes. And he said yes because he had complete trust in Almighty God. That's why. If he looked at his circumstances, do you not think, if he, that's all he looked at, he, do you not think he might would say no? <laughs> but he knew God was faithful. God was faithful to him. And he trusted him with his entire life. And so when he said, God said, hey, whom shall I send? Isaiah, it was very easy for him to say, here I am, send me, I'll go. You might remember Dr. Randy Alonzo. He's my, 
number one mentor in my life. He was here January 1st, and he preached a message entitled, Say Yes. You remember that? If you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to it. It was a great message. Great message. And he talked about the need for us to always be ready and available to say yes to God. To always, be, uh, to always make ourselves available to him. To always be in this posture of full surrender. God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Just know that I'm willing. And he said the following that day. He said, some of you are here and you are wondering to yourself, am I done here? Is it time to move on? Is it time to switch jobs? Is it time to change careers? Is it time to change schools? Should we move there? Should we stay here? Should we start that ministry? Should we leave that ministry? Maybe you are feeling like you were here for a time, but that it's time to move on. In the end, say, Lord, I will trust you and I will obey. What great words. And those words of his hit me hard that day. When God calls, you go. When he calls us to do something, we do it. It might not always make sense to us, but may I say to you, or maybe it's more in the form of a question, when does God ever have to make sense to us? How, does he, how, do, how do we have the right to demand from him, make sense to us? Almighty God, who the Scripture says, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So, who are we to demand of God? Makes sense. I love what Vance Havner once said. Vance was a preacher in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s. And I love what he said. He said this, God marks across some of our days. We'll explain later. Have you ever felt that way before in your life? You find yourself in a, a circumstance or a certain situation and, and you're like, God, make sense. Please make sense. And yet he just marks across our days. We'll explain later. <laughs> and when I had that surgery some, tw well, 20 years ago, actually, 20 years ago, when I had that surgery to remove the tumor from my mouth that day, it didn't make sense to me. God, I'm 31. I'm a young father, young husband. I, I'm, in, I'm healthy. I'm active. And this, God, it doesn't make sense to me. But may I say, as the days and the weeks and the months, and yes, probably even years wore on, that he did make it, sense of it to me. He said at the time, we'll explain later, but then later came and he told me, hey, this is your testimony of God's grace, of my grace in your life. My grace is enough. So I've given this tumor or I've given this hole in your head, which by the way, people have told me that I have, and now I can literally show them that I do have a hole in my head, right? <laughs> But this is what I've given to you to share with people what I've done in your life. God's grace. Amen? Praise God. God's grace.
God marks across some of our days. We'll explain later. God called Cindy and I out of a a successful sales job in Wichita, Kansas, into full-time pastoral ministry. Trust me, we didn't do it for the money, (laughs) right? And he called us into full-time ministry in Wichita, Kansas, and we said yes. He called us then, four years later, to go to Danielsville, Georgia, and we said yes. He called us back to Silo Springs, Arkansas, and we said yes. He then called us to Goshen, Indiana. Yes, God's forsaken frozen tundra. (laughs) And we said yes. And he called us to Collierville, Tennessee, and we said yes, and we were so thankful for that. We were thankful for that because here, you know, you think of the kingdom of God and, and, you, and God places you and puts you in different places. And, and you don't maybe get to experience this like I have because m- the kingdom of God just gets bigger to me. You, you may not get to experience that like I get to, but the, the kingdom gets bigger. I see all these believers. And it's with a sad and heavy heart today that I say to you that God has called us back to Arkansas and we have said yes. We've said yes. We've said yes to a position of lead pastor at a local church in western Arkansas, right on the border of Oklahoma. Yes, I know, another piece of God's forbidden country, Oklahoma. A church where a church where I will where my strengths and my leadership abilities will be better utilized and and so God has called and and we say yes. And I know that might come as a surprise to some of you, but please please listen. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking about Jesus and his disciples, and when Jesus called his disciples, he said, Hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And as you read through the, the, the passage there of his disciples, what did they do? They gave it up. They gave up. They gave everything up and they followed him. They gave up their careers. They gave up their income. And they gave up their family to follow Jesus. And 19 years ago, after having been in ministry for four years in Wichita, Kansas, where we were born and raised, and when he called us to Georgia that we, and we said yes, we left family. We left our parents. We left our grandparents. We left our aunts, our uncles, our cousins. We left the Wichita State Shockers. We left everyone. And we went to Georgia where we knew no one. But we said yes. And for the last nine years, we have served faithfully, I trust. We have served faithfully without our family, without our children, without our grandchildren for these last nine years. And 
And although we are clearly following God's calling and lead to western Arkansas, and he has made it abundantly clear, this is what, we want, what I want you to do, and we have said yes to that, we are thankful that by his grace, it is a gift of grace that we'll be closer to family, and we're thankful for that. But by all means, it's not why we are making that decision. We have never made a decision based on family, but based upon what God it truly is calling us to do. So as I've said, it's with a heavy heart that our last Sunday here at Central will be, will be next Sunday. And as maybe some of you, this has caught you by surprise, or maybe you already knew, I want you to know that it has nothing to do with you. Cindy and I love you deeply. We have been so blessed and encouraged by the love and the support that you have shown us. And we are indebted to you for that. It truly has been an honor to be your pastor. Here's one thing that I know, and I know that you know as well. Things don't always work out the way you plan it. Ever Anyone testify to that? Things don't always work out the way you plan it. And our plan was to build deep roots here, but God had a different plan for us. And we said yes to that plan. And listen, church, Cindy and I have grieved deeply over this day to share this news with you, and we grieve deeply because we love you deeply. If it weren't for relationships, right? (laughs) Make it a lot easier. But we love you, and we have felt your love towards us. But we are trusting God through it all, just like Isaiah trusted him. Even though he was disappointed, even though he, 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 he was down and out, even, even though of this disappointed, disappointment, he trusted God and said yes. Question for you this morning, because I've already a- asked this question, I've already answered it, but let me ask you. Are you available to say yes, even in your disappointment? Are you, are, listen, are you available to say yes even when it doesn't make sense? Are you available to say yes even when it hurts? Are you available to say yes even when it means a major disruption in your life? Are you available to say yes? That is something that we all must be confronted with this morning. Listen, if you are tired, say yes. Because God will renew your strength. Listen, if you are weak, say yes. Because God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you can't see your way, say yes. Because God's word is a light unto your path. Listen, if if you say you can't, say yes. Because God can. If you say there's no way. Say yes, because God is the way. If you say, I'm sick, say yes, because God is the great physician. If you say, I'm nobody, say yes, because God created you as a special somebody. And if you say, I've tried, I've failed, say yes, because God loves turning your mess into a success. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God's grace has taught me to be faithful 
and it's taught me to be available. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to be faithful. It's not always easy to be available. But His grace. But His grace. And then the third thing, last thing is this. God's grace has taught me to be teachable. And this is probably the biggest one for me and for everyone in this room today. God's grace has taught me to be teachable. Proverbs 9, 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, meaning that he's unteachable. But a wise man listens to advice, meaning that that person is teachable. So the question is, what distinguishes a teachable person from an unteachable one? Anybody? One word, plain and simple, humility. Humility. That's what will distinguish a teachable person from an unteachable one. It takes humility to learn that which we need to learn, not necessarily what we want to learn. It takes humility to learn that which we need to learn, even if it's unpleasant, uncomfortable, or doesn't make sense. Trust me, God has taught me much here in my time at Central, and I am so thankful for it. I am. And my only prayer would be that and trust that you have been taught much under my pastoral leadership here at Central Church in our time together, and that you will continue to grow in knowledge and truth in the weeks and months to come here at Central. Listen, Cindy and I are going to miss you deeply, but we believe in this place. We believe in this service. Man, I I love what happens up here on stage, in spite of the hat. Yes. In spite. <laughs> I love you, brother. Yeah. Man, I love it. I'll miss it. Listen, I pray that you and the elders and staff of this great church will walk in humility, will be teachable. And will learn all that God wants you to learn. That's my prayer for you. You know, it's easy to identify those who are teachable and those who aren't. It's real easy. Those who aren't teachable, they, they think that they've learned enough. They have a spirit of pride, obviously. That's a given. But the way you know it is they tune out instruction. They won't listen. They shut people down. They make excuses for their behaviors and attitudes. Teachable people are different. They have a spirit of humility. They prepare their hearts and minds to learn. They, 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 they are open to their need for change. They ask God to reveal to them the things that need to change, and then they act on it. That's a teachable person, and I have done my best, and although I can't say that I've been perfect in it because I haven't, but I have done my best to strive for these things, walk in a spirit of humility, to prepare my heart and my mind to learn, to open my heart for change and the things that I need to change. Reveal them to me, God. What are those areas in my life, in my heart, that I need to change and then to act on it? 
God, keep me teachable. God, keep these people teachable. God, make our elders and staff teachable. God, may we have a teachable spirit. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So which best describes you? And if you're still struggling with it, let me give you a self-quiz to take right now. Ask yourself this, am I willing to listen more than I talk? And my guess is probably all of us struggle with that. And you know why? Because it's human nature to talk more than to listen. It's human nature. Am I willing to listen more than talk? I think of President Teddy Roosevelt. He was a man of action, but he was also a very good listener. He listened well. And he appreciated that quality in other people. And so one time at a gala ball, he grew tired of meeting people who just returned his remarks with stiff, mindless pleasantries. And so he decided to begin to greet people this way. He said this, I murdered my grandmother this morning. That's how he would greet people. And do you know that most everyone, it went in one ear and out the other and didn't even hear what he said. But upon hearing his remark, there was one diplomat that did listen, and he leaned over and he whispered to the president, I'm sure she had it coming to her. (laughs) And some of us could probably put in-laws in there, right? (laughs) Or outlaws, is that what they are? Oh, man. So do you listen more than you talk? Being a good listener is a tremendous, tremendous quality, and we all need it. Ask yourself, do I admit when I am wrong? Ask your spouse that. (laughs) Yeah, not right now. Do I observe before acting on a situation? Am I able to agree to disagree without breaking fellowship over those things? Do I desire information or understanding more than answers? Am I open to suggestions and new ideas? Do I feel comfortable asking for advice or direction? Can I appreciate criticism without being deeply wounded? Do I realize I don't have all the answers? Do I realize there can be more than one way of doing things? How teachable are you? God's grace has taught me to be faithful. It's taught me to be available. It's taught me to be teachable. And I pray that His grace will continue to teach me these things in the next chapter of this story that's called My Life. And I pray the same upon the story that God is writing in each and every one of your lives. His grace has molded me into who I am today. In fact, there was a popular song that came out in the late 1990s, early 2000s, called Potter's Hand, the Potter's Hands. I just want to read these lyrics to you because it just, in fact, 
um, God gave it to me this morning while I was singing in the shower. <laughs> and if you need proof, just ask my wife. I think she posted something about it on Facebook. <laughs> it says this, beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior. I know for sure all of my days are held in your hands, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me. Mold me. Use me. Fill me. I give my life to the potter's hands. Hold me. Guide me. Lead me. Walk beside me. I give my life to the potter's hands. Have you given your life to the potter's hands? Can you let this be your prayer for your life? Guide me, guide us, lead me, lead us. Fill me, use me, mold me. Listen to me carefully. If you, me, and the leadership of this church will be faithful, will be available, will be teachable, then I can promise you that two things that are going to happen here at Central Church. And number one is this, Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And number two, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of questions that we might have, in spite of things that change around us, in spite of the seasons that change, in spite of our careers that might change, in spite of our health that might change, and in spite of our family that might change, or our friends that might change, or how maybe in spite of how we might change, God. May we just rest on the promise of your word that says that you are the same yesterday today and forever. You never change. Everything that we experience in life, it doesn't change the core of who you are. It doesn't change your character. It doesn't change your attributes. It doesn't change your amazing grace. It doesn't change your mercy. It doesn't change your faithfulness. You are a good, good father. You always have been. You always will. You are perfect. There is no one like you. And God, I pray through, through it all, no matter what we might encounter in this life and in this room, there are people that have, that have encountered heavy, heavy stuff and burdens in their life. But that as we encounter those things, 
that we will encounter more of your presence in our life. So God, I thank you for Central Church. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for allowing me this tremendous opportunity and privilege and honor to be their pastor. And God, I pray your richest blessings upon them and their family, that you'd keep them safe, that you'd keep them healthy, that you would use them more than anything, that you would use them, continue to use them for your honor and glory here at Central and in this community. God, I pray that we would all come to a place in our lives where we would say yes. We would say yes. And God, I thank you not only for the opportunity that you gave me here, but the opportunity that you're opening up for me, and I say yes, trusting you with it all. And I know that these people will trust the future of Central Church in your hands as well. God, thank you for first loving us. The only way and only reason that we can love you is because you first loved us. God, we ask this in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.